0: you're coming in and finding your seats, Uh want to invite you, if you brought a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 7. I know we already read it, but that's where we'll be today. We are in a part 23 of uh, the Gospel of John, and I think that's really exciting. Uh, and, uh, you know, chapter 7 starts off in an interesting way, and we sort of left off last time where uh, Jesus uh, has sort of been jeered to uh, go up to the temple. It's the Feast of Booths. It's a very celebratory time when uh, Jews are living in uh, like you know little tents and huts that they would make and kind of camping out, and they're remembering uh, uh, that how how God has uh, supernaturally uh, freed them. From slavery, uh, from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh, and uh, and so they would they would live in these tents and they would celebrate that and it was a time of remembering the nearness of the living God and how He was a God who dwelled with them uh, in that time and. Uh, and so it's, it's during this time that Jesus makes his way up to the, the Feast of Booths and he goes into the outer courts of the temple and he begins to teach. That's kind of where the whole story takes place today. And a lot of times, you know, what you see in the Gospels when Jesus goes and he starts to teach, uh, people, it, it's like you kind of start to see after a while, it's like people start to come and then more people start to come and then there's just something kind of magnetic about him. And and people today have questions about Jesus and not questions so much about like you know the content of what he's teaching uh, the ones that John is sort of listing here are are really questions like more kind of like doubts and criticisms they're they're really questioning his authority Jesus what authority do you have to say the things that you say, I think you know we even hear a lot of this today. You know, I mean, uh, you know, who, who is he to claim is the way and the truth and the, and the life? Nobody can come to the Father but through him. Who says something like that? And so uh, they're sort of asking these questions, and in each case, I think we'll see today that that Jesus just shines bright in the darkness. There is part of John 7, this kind of early part, that seems a little dark to me because here he is, the Son of God, the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world and there he is in the temple and he's teaching. He's with the people, but but they don't have the eyes to see or the ears to hear. They don't have soft hearts. Uh, and, and so uh, so there's these these jeering, uh, critical questions. Uh, but the light of Jesus is, shines bright in the darkness. Uh, John 1 5 says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And praise God that is so true even today that the light shines in the darkness and darkness doesn't overcome it. Today uh, we're going to look at three reasons why we can trust the authority of Jesus. Three things that he says in this that, that really just show that, uh, that he does have authority and that The authority he had was greater than that of the rabbis and the religious leaders of the day. And that remains true today. That the authority of Jesus is the greatest um, authority. And that he's the one we really need to look at and listen to. And I think as we sort of look at his authority today, we'll sort of find encouragement. Uh, We'll depend on him and, and trust him and walk out of here with confidence. With our lives placed firmly in the hands of a God who has all authority over all things. And there's no better place to be than in his hands. So let's pray and then we're going to dive into John 7. Uh, Lord, we thank you. Uh, we thank you that um, you came for us. Lord, we thank you that uh, you have the type of authority that that you can do something for us. Lord, you you can forgive us. You can bring us in to a new life. You do free us uh, from, from sin and uh, Lord, you've uh, broken chains in our lives, and I, I pray this morning, Lord, that um, you would just open our uh, the eyes of our hearts, that uh, we would just hear your voice clearly today. Uh, Lord, that you would uh, show us anything that, that you want, that we would hear you, uh, we would follow you today. And Father, as we uh, just open up uh, your word today, uh, we just thank you for it. We thank you that you're a God who speaks, and a God who teaches, a God who loves, Uh, and we just look to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a lot of you guys know I moved here um, around, I don't know, six and a half years ago, and it's always a little easy to keep track of that because uh, we moved here right around the time uh, we had a baby. Uh, That was a lot of the reason for kind of trying to get back to the West Coast and Uh, Because it's where both sides of our parents were from. And, uh, you know, there were so many things going on back then. But uh, we were having a baby and we wanted to get here. And shortly after we did, uh, in the month of December, we had our first baby named Theo. A lot of you guys see him today. He doesn't look like a baby anymore. Um, And it's hard to believe this was almost seven years ago, but it was. uh, This was Theo. He was... Nearly five pounds. He was a little, little, little guy, and he was born three weeks premature. And uh, you know, a, a helpful thing to probably know about uh, me and babies is that I just had like no experience with babies. And you know those classes that they teach where you go and like do the breathing and like you know all, you learn all the things. I didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, I should have, um, and and I didn't. And you know, we we're. I don't know, moving across the country and other things. But, um, you know, and I I remember holding Theo for the first time, this little five-pound baby. And I remember because he opened his eyes. And and I know they can't really see a lot in those first days. But uh, he just had this expression on his face, like, what? in the world is going on. And I was looking back at him like, I, I don't know, you know, like <laughs> it's kind of crazy. And, uh, you know, so so he came out And one of the things that's really common with uh, babies who are born a little premature is uh, they can get jaundice uh, because they have a lot of bilirubin buildup. And I didn't even know what that was before then, but uh, Theo had that pretty bad. He had a lot of bilirubin in his blood and uh, and his skin was pretty orange. And so they kind of kept an eye on it. And then they started to, uh, like, you know, do tests and look at his blood and stuff like that. And they're like, hey, it's actually really bad. So we're going to do this thing called, you know, phototherapy. And so they basically, like, cook them uh, under these lights. And you can see they they put a little mask on him. And that's why he's got a little mask there. And uh, And he slept... <laughs> like a baby uh, uh, under this thing for a couple days, and uh, and every you know every little while they would they would come in and they would you know prick his uh, foot and they would take some blood and they would sample it and say oh, hey he's looking a little bit better hey he's looking a little bit better so we had to stay a couple extra days and. Um, Finally, they were like, hey, he's looking so much better. We think you guys can go home tonight, uh, and we're going to do one more test. And there was some something that happened like with the lab, and I don't remember what it was, but they were running slow, and they were like, we don't want to keep you guys another night, so why don't you go home? I think it's going to be fine. In case it's not, we'll call you, but it's probably going to be fine. Uh, so it uh, sounded you know, good enough to me. I mean, I didn't know. So <laughs> we put him in the car seat, and I remember we, we walked through um, the door, and I remember like being in disbelief that they let us take a baby, you know, and uh, that we had walked through the door, and and there was kind of this whole thing of, of like, what's the first thing we should do? You know, it was, so, it was such a weird feeling. And it was about that time that the phone rang, and it was the doctors, and they were like, test results came back really bad. Uh, you guys need to come back. And we were like, well, we're, uh, okay, like, how's Monday? And they were like, how's an hour? You know, and so uh, we got back in the car, and we drove... Back and and you know again I can't stress enough how little I knew uh, about babies <laughs> and so I'm thinking in my mind that this is a huge deal you know and uh, it's it's life or death and. Um, you know, Anna's calming me down, and I'm half listening, and um, you know, uh, and I remember when we got back, and and when you leave labor and delivery, you don't go back to labor, and you go to the NICU, and so, you know, we walked in there, and it felt really serious to me, and you know what I remember? I just, I wanted to talk to somebody who had some authority. I wanted to talk to somebody who knew about babies. I wanted to talk to somebody who had looked at Theo's charts, and kind of knew what was going on. Maybe that, that knew him, and that we had met in the last week. I wanted to talk to somebody who could do something uh, that that would help, and, and that knew what we should do, and and uh, and I remember, you know, finally getting to talk to a doctor and being like, oh, oh, thank goodness, you know, and and they're so good at like, you know, calming down emotional people, and uh, you know those things, and uh, it reminds me of of Jesus here because. Um, of the authority that he has, he is the person that we can go to that can do something. He is the person we can go to that knows something. He is the person we can go to that 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 has the power to to change our circumstances to, um, and, and uh, and to make a difference in our life. And what I think is so interesting about this that Jesus, the Son of God, goes into the temple and and he begins to teach. Uh, he is he 's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and he walks in and he begins to teach and you would think if, if you were there in that moment that you would just want to hear every word that he said you would you would want to know him and you would want him to know you and 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 so it 's in the middle of this feast, Jesus goes into the temple and he begins uh, to teach and the Jews therefore marveled, saying, "How is it that this man has learning?" when he's never studied. And I used to think that was like really nice that they marveled. Like, you know, like, oh, he's he's so smart. How's how's he doing these things? And we see, you know, other places where the crowd does marvel because he doesn't teach like the scribes and the rabbis did in that day, but but here, you know, it's like the the marveled that that the Jews are and these are the the, the rabbis and the, the scribes, and these are men of knowledge. They know things. They've learned things. They've memorized things. They, they know things from other rabbis. They've spent years, they've spent their lives studying, and they, they're bewildered. They're shocked. How, how is he talking right now? How, how is he saying these things when, when he has never studied? And, of course, what we know about Jesus is that he knows exactly what they're thinking. He knows exactly what their their doubts and their reservations are. He knows exactly what they think of him. And so Jesus gives uh, a a few answers. And they they all show this, is that Jesus has an authority that they don't have. His authority is from above. The things that Jesus is teaching in the temple this day are from the Father. And so he gives kind of like a three-part answer. And the first one is found in verse 16. It says, So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine. But his who sent me, so a uh, pretty straightforward that these are the father 's words earlier in John five when Jesus has worked on the sabbath and he 's uh, healed the paralyzed man uh, remember they, they didn 't like that either so much and and you know Jesus just says, you know that when the father 's working i 'm working we 're doing these things together, and so when Jesus is teaching they 're not just things he came up with uh, you know by Uh, by himself in a room, studying really hard, but but he's just teaching what's not his, but it's his who sent me. He's teaching the things of of God, and that's uh, how he's able to do this. Um, Secondly, uh, we see that his teaching, it it shows the heart of God, and, and, and he gives them a little bit of a test. He says, if anyone's will is to do God's will, He will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. And it's interesting, somebody said it this way, his hearers this day, they raised the question of his competence as a teacher, but he raises the question of their competence as hearers. And it's not the first time that we see that, right? People come to Jesus and, uh, you you know, they uh, assume about him or they have questions for him and they're looking at somebody who knows every single thing about them. And so uh, Jesus here says, you know, if, if, your, if your will, if your heart was to really do what the Father's will was, if you really had a heart for the Lord, y- you would hear my words. You know, he says, my sheep know my voice. And, um, and so that's kind of the second part of his answer. So there's a little bit of a, a taste and see element here. there's a third thing he says, and and it's uh, that what he's saying points to the glory of God. Uh, The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there's no falsehood. Uh, You know, I I was reading that a lot of rabbis in the day were kind of out trying to make a name for themselves. They were very educated. They were very smart. they, uh, They were very trained, and they wouldn't just like memorize scripture. They would memorize what other rabbis said about the scriptures. And so when they would teach, they would quote a lot of a lot of people and and they would know kind of all the major ways of looking at the passage and how it had been understood over time. And then maybe at the very end, they might mention a couple of their own comments or something, you know? Uh, And uh, when, uh, but, but Jesus didn't teach like they did. And he was able to speak with, um, with a, a higher authority and a better authority. And, and it pointed to God's glory. It pointed to God, uh, and so one of the things that I think is so neat about this is that uh, it, it shows us that, that God is a teacher and he's always teaching. And I, I love the Psalms that talk about how he instructs us in his ways, that he guides us. And, um, and, uh, and so he's, he's always on the move and he's always teaching. And I think another thing we find here is that it's, you know, knowing him well isn't all about head knowledge. You know, we live in a day of so much information. You know, if you want to learn uh, theology or you want to learn, you know, I mean, four different interpretations of the gospel of John or whatever, there's just, there's so many ways to do that. Uh, There's so many ways to learn about anything you would like to learn. But when it comes to knowing God when it comes to, to to an intimate knowledge of who he was it's not all about head knowledge you know it's like you can read all of the scriptures in the world and still not know who he is there's something more at a heart level that connects with the living god uh, and uh, and so it's it's not head knowledge and so um, so that's so they're sort of looking at what he's saying and they're sort of you know, bewildered at what he's saying, um, and but they're not really looking for what he has to say. Um, and then he asks them a question. His question is this, has Moses not given you the law? Yeah, they would have known the law really well, but none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? So those are two really important things there. Uh, none of you keeps the law, and I think that would have been really offensive to hear if I were them. Uh, and then he says, uh, "Why do you seek to kill me?" Remember, he knows what they're all thinking. He knows who they all are. He knows every heart. Um, and uh, and so at this, the crowd answers. And uh, so we're not just talking about the rabbis and you know the, the kind of temple crowd anymore. We're talking like more people are coming into the conversation. And they say, you have a demon. Who is it that's seeking to kill you? Uh, and so, you know, a lot of people think, like, so the crowds in that day, they might not have known kind of the, the plot to kill him. John's mentioned it a few times, that the rabbis, they were offended at what he was saying. They were offended at what he was doing, particularly on the Sabbath. And so there was kind of this, they were sort of plotting to to get, to silence him. They, they didn't want to hear. And uh, But maybe... Many in, like, the more common crowds uh, who were there just for a little bit, they they wouldn't have known. But look at what they say, though. You have a demon. And again, remember the irony here. It's the Son of God teaching in the courts of the temple. (laughs) He's been sent uh, for the sins of the world, and they're listening to him. And their conclusion is that he has a demon. And in that day, of course, that was just a way of saying, you know, you're insane. But, but still, there's like this whole this whole dark light thing going on here. And so Jesus answered them, and, and he points back to something. He says, I did one work, and you all marvel at it. And so at this, Jesus goes back to what we talked about uh, back in John chapter 5, where he's healed a person who's been paralyzed for 38 years. He's done it on the Sabbath. It was very offensive to the religious leaders. And it's kind of our, our next topic here about his authority, because uh, not only did he have a from above, and was he able to teach, uh, you know, kind of straight from the Father, you know, speak straight scripture, uh, but he was able to apply it and, and show what it was like. And when he would do things on the Sabbath, it was often showing sort of the, the character of, of what God is like. And here he gives sort of an example. He says, Moses gave you circumcision. Not that it's from Moses, but it's from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made uh, a man's whole body well? So, okay, there's a lot going on here. And uh, what he's talking about, though, is is this plot to kill him uh, has is sort of first mentioned around the Sabbath. And what he's done is he's healed somebody on the Sabbath. Sabbath was a day that everybody rested. Uh, you know, back when we studied that a, a couple months ago, one of the things that was brought out was that that people were, uh, you know, the, uh, the the religious rabbis and scribes were adding more and more laws and, and kind of guidances to keeping the Sabbath. And it had become very hard to really do anything uh, on the Sabbath. So it was very easy to, to break the Sabbath. Uh, and, but they would... They would override the Sabbath for certain things. One of those things was circumcision. Uh, on the eighth day, if you were a male and uh, you were a, a Jewish, uh, you would be circumcised. And the reason was because circumcision was so important. Uh, circumcision was, uh, it was a huge blessing. It was a cleansing rite. It, it brought somebody in and it identified them as part of the blessing of Abraham. It, it went way back to the patriarchs. It went back to Abraham. And, and uh, there were all sorts of benefits. It was seen as cleansing, uh, a, a cleansing thing for a person. It represented uh, being part of God's covenant family, and so it was urgent. And so, what they would say is that it overrode the Sabbath. And of course, there were different things uh, that would come up on the Sabbath that they would have to do. And so, uh, one of the things that you know we kind of learned back in John five is that uh, is that. God never takes a break from his character. He's never not merciful. He's never not good. He's never not just. And so even on the Sabbath, uh, God is doing merciful things. Sabbath was a blessed day. It was a day for people to spend time with the Lord and to be near the Lord. Isaiah calls it a day of delight it was a break for everyone. You were supposed to make sure that not only you took a break and you rested and you dwelled with the Lord, but everybody in your household did. It was, it was such a good day. And, and look what Jesus has done. He hasn't just, you know, cleansed part of a man. He has healed an entire person. You know, the, there's a sort of cleansing that a, a rabbi could do there, and that you could do through the religious system, but there's something completely more that happens through Christ. Uh, the the rabbis in the day had a had a mercy problem and so Jesus says do not judge by appearances but judge with right judgment Jesus is is showing them what God is like Jesus is demonstrating how to to best apply the law he's he's showing them who God is and you know it's easy i think to kind of get down on kind of the religious of that day and be like well how could they how could they be like that? How, why didn't they get it? You know, and, and there's a lot to say about it. But, you know, one of the things that sticks out to me is like me during Christmas. You know, like I think about, I love Christmas. Uh, and, you know, my favorite thing about Christmas really is the fact that we get to just ponder of this amazing thing that Jesus came for us, and he came as a baby, and uh, there's just so much to think about and uh, just to reflect on during that time, And, and I love, you know, getting to gather with family and getting to think about that together, but how many of you guys know that, you know, during Christmas, sometimes it's not the easiest place for your head to go. Sometimes you're just thinking about all the stuff you have to do, and you're thinking about like getting the kids good presents, and you're thinking about like all the family plans and all the details and all the busyness. And, and I think our, our hearts are just, they're just fickle sometimes. And Jesus comes and and he shows us sort of the, the spirit of the law. He he shows us how to how to apply uh, the law. He shows us what it means. He's, he's called the image of the invisible god. And so uh, and and in this Jesus shows his authority. He shows that he he understands and he knows God intimately. He his application is from above. The things he does are from above. And and I love that we have uh, we have just stories and stories in the bible of amazing things that jesus has done miracles and and healing acts and things that he has taught and we we have his words and and so if you want to know what god is like you can just look at jesus and you can just go to the scriptures and that uh, the things that he does carry authority with them Uh, the things the example that he sets carries an authority with him Uh, because uh, he doesn't just teach the law but uh, he applies, and he demonstrates, and he shows, uh, and he does that with us too, even in really busy season, seasons like uh, Christmas, or I don't know, if there's uh, a, a trial, or a hard circumstance in your life, or you're arguing with a family member, or something, you know, uh, he's always teaching, and he's always showing, he's always demonstrating about love, and forgiveness, and uh, and mercy, and, and those things, and, and uh, so there's application from above. One last thing, is there's an appointing that's from above. It's a third way that his authority was even greater than that of the the scribes and the rabbis and the Pharisees. And that's that his appointing was from above. So at this, some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, um, is not this the man whom they seek to kill? Notice we're talking about a third group of people here. as just some of the people of Jerusalem. So it's different from the crowds. It's different from the rabbis. These are just like neighbors. Uh, these are just people that are, are close. And uh, so maybe they've heard things. They've overheard things from the, the rabbis that there's this plan to stop him. Um, but they're sort of interjecting here. And they kind of have a similar uh, observation to that of the rabbis. And they're like, how is he still talking? How has nobody put a stop to this? Uh, and, And they say, and here he is, speaking openly. And they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities know that this is the Christ? It's probably ironic. So Some people are like, well, maybe they really wondered. Maybe Jesus is starting to convince them. And other people are like, yeah, they're, they're just saying this has gotten ridiculous. How is he still going? And and you have to see that the, the crowds are growing. People are, and, and Jesus just does this. He just draws people to himself. And then they have an objection. We know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears... No one will know where he comes from. So again, talking about Jesus of Nazareth. And and we've talked often in John about the prophet or the Messiah. There was a lot of anticipation about this messianic figure who was going to come. And there was a lot of folklore around that. There was a lot of rumors around that. There were even writings that were happening around this time about that. And so people thought all kinds of things about the Christ. They thought all kinds of things about the Messiah. One of them was that the Messiah wouldn't even know who he was until sort of the time had come. Uh, and so he would kind of come out of, of nowhere. And so they're sort of objecting that, but you're of Nazareth. We, we sort of know where, where you come from. And so it's at this that Jesus replies and he proclaims as he says, he taught the people, you know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you do not know. And so the word proclaimed there is that he cried out. And I think that's really powerful that the son of God is in the temple and he's crying out. Uh, He's crying out. He says uh, that, that you know me in a sense, but in a sense, you don't know where I come from. And the reason that they don't know where he comes from is that they don't know who sent him. I know him for I have come from him and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? So, you know, you sort of see that People are listening to what he's saying and they're making decisions about the things he's saying. They're, they're trying to figure out who he is. And we'll see this more in chapter seven and into chapter eight that people are trying to figure out who Jesus is. And they're looking for context clues. They're looking, they're, they're talking with each other. They're all speculating about who he might be, but, uh, but it just seems that they're not able to really hear what he's saying. Uh, but there's in here a verse that I find very encouraging. It's John seven twenty nine. Jesus says, I know him. I know the Father. And we've seen that all along in the Gospel of John, that Jesus knew the Father in a, in a unique way. He was the unique only Son of the Father. Uh, John 1, 18 says, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And so Jesus has come, he's tabernacled among us. He's been with us. And, uh, and so we've, we've gotten to n- know the Father and we've gotten to see more about his glory and his fullness uh, in Christ. Uh, so Jesus knows him. He knows him in a, a way that they don't. And then he says, for I come from him. And so he hasn't been created. He hasn't just randomly been appointed, but he's dwelled with the Father through all eternity past. Nobody knows the Father like Jesus. Uh, Nobody is close to the Father like Jesus. And then lastly, and I think this is the really good news for us today, and he sent me. And it reminds me uh, of the fact that, that Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, was sent. He was sent for us. He was sent uh, for the sins of, of the world. And, um, and, and he made his home among us for a while. He's come for us. Uh, John says it this way in 1 John. He says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You know, there's a real big truth in there that, you know, it's easy to think it's like that our love for God is really important. And how much we know him and how much we study him and how much we believe and how devoted we are to him. And that's the real miracle and that's the real great part. But, But John says the real miracle is how much he loves us. The real miracle is how much God loved the world, knowing that he would be met with hostility, knowing that what was going to happen sent his only begotten son for us. And that's a very interesting scene in the temple at the Feast of Booth, this really celebratory time where the son of God is, is, is come and sent and, and he's teaching and, and, uh, and he's questioned. He's rejected. They, they don't accept his authority. They, they, don't, they don't see him as, as legit most people at this time. Mm. But uh, the, the truth, the, the good news, is that he was sent for us. And it's kind of the good news of the Bible. That uh, all of us, you, you know, have broken the law. All of us have, have thought that we've known better than God at one point. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short. Um, and, and and we were, you know, Paul says we were dead in our sins. We were helpless. But he came for us. And his life was given as an atoning sacrifice for us. And that's, that's just something that we should never get too used to. <laughs> that's just something. And, you know, a, a lot like, you know, I was thinking of that doctor that one day who had the authority to really do something. That 's the authority Jesus had He had the authority to really do something, and he lived a perfect life for us and he died a sacrificial death on the cross for us um, and so um, so uh, anyway, how to just gets to me all right so as we think about his authority as we think about who he is, if we think about what he's done for us we, we're, we're grateful for the ways that jesus um, uh, exceeds the, the rabbis and the religious of the day. We're, we're, we're grateful for the fact that he's come. How do we live under his authority this week? How do we trust him this week? How do we know him this week? What does it mean? And I think as we kind of think about this story today, there's a few things that stick out. Number one is that we need to be people who let him speak. Uh, you know, I love that, that God is not a God who just gave us a bunch of laws and left Uh, But he's a God who speaks. He's a God who teaches. He's a God who exemplifies. He's a God um, who has come for us. And, And we live in a world today where there are a lot of people speaking. We live in a world where there's a lot of people who who tell us how we should live our lives. Even people who don't know Jesus, they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He rose from the dead. Uh, you know, even many people uh, who are, are public speakers are are quick to tell us what we should believe about Jesus. You know, the, the world will tell you what love means and what it doesn't mean. They'll tell you how to raise your kids. They'll tell you what it means to be successful and what you should do with your money. Uh, The world will tell you what it means to be devout, what it means to be religious, what it means to be good. Uh, There are so many, uh, perhaps more voices than ever before. And and all you have to do uh, is just, you know, find a podcast and somebody will give you all the answers. But yet there is a God who speaks to us today. And we have his word, and, uh, and, and his word lives in us, and, and he's constantly uh, teaching us. And, and I love that picture of Jesus in the temple crying out. And, uh, and so I, I think there's a call here uh, to be people with soft hearts who are good listeners. Uh, and, and that's a good encouragement for us today, to be a good listener. Uh, you know knowing that he 's speaking, knowing that the word of god it's it 's alive it 's active it's it's it 's sharper than double edged sword, and so we need to be people who are hearing the voice. I think a second thing is that we let him show uh, Jesus has come and lived a uh, a a perfect life, he was showing and teaching and and doing miracles all of the time and I think it 's interesting that one of the things you just observe you see this like in mark one and two that he was just magnetic. And even today, people are so fascinated with who Jesus is. Uh, how did he know all of what, how did he do what he did? You know, and, uh, and, and that, but he also modeled for us what love looks like. He demonstrated that for us uh, and, and calls us to pick up our cross and to follow him. Uh, we we have a, a discipler in Christ. We have somebody who who doesn't just teach us, but he shows us, and he has shown us. and uh, And I think it's good news because uh, I think we live in a lot of tricky situations today. Uh, what does it mean to follow Christ uh, in our time right now? Where uh, there's just so it's I just feel like we're in a confusing time in the world. Uh, But Jesus still sets the example for us. Uh, Many of us have complicated relationships. Uh, We have complicated uh, situations that we're in. And, you know, you might think to yourself sometimes, it's like, man, who could know what you should do in this situation. And I'm thankful that there is a God who speaks. There's a God who shows and reveals and he guides. And uh, and we have that in a relationship with him. And so so let him show. And, and we need to be people who listen, but we need to be people who look. And we look to Jesus. And when I think about listening and I think about looking and I think about uh, doing that, I, I think about the, the types of things that I look at during the week. I think about uh, the the place my mind often goes, the things I, I think about when I go to sleep at night before I sleep, I think about, you know, the, the things that I'm reading about and the things that I'm watching on TV, and, and I think it's just really good for us to keep Jesus at the very center of our vision. And we have some really practical ways to do that, and just reading the word, and just uh, you know being part of a faith family, um, and and you know the the Lord's really good at doing this, where He just puts us in places where we have to have faith, and we have to look to Him, we have to listen for Him, we have to depend on Him. Sometimes I think there's this like lie that's easy to believe that our own strength is worth more than it really is. (laughs) And so it's good to just let him show us uh, what to do in our lives. And here's the last one. That we let him sanctify us. And uh, just to be made, set apart. But there's this process of sanctification in the Bible. Which is like where you place your belief in Jesus and you're forgiven, and, um, you know, and you repent, and you confess, and, and you enter in uh, to a relationship, a faith relationship with him, and everything changes. You're, you're forever a child of God. You're that person that John talks about who, who believes, right? But then there's this process called sanctification, and, and that process is where you're a new person, and the new person has come and the old person is gone. But it's this process of learning and growing and, and understanding more and more about who God is. And, and I really believe that's what life is all about, is just knowing the Lord more and more. And, and oftentimes as we're, we're growing in him, He's using us as, as evangelists and as a light in the darkness. Um, I think about the, the fact that oftentimes we're learning just about who He is. We're learning we can trust Him. We're learning that He's good in every trial and in every situation. Well, that's the process of sanctification. He's showing you that. He's teaching you that. You're learning that again and again in His constantly good and merciful character. Uh, and so, so that we let him sanctify us. We, we go along with that, and we don't, we don't creep the spirit. And so listening to his words and keeping our, our, our eyes, just uh, Jesus in the very fo- focus of our, our vision, uh, you know, we, we go through these uh, confusing times, and we go through trials and tribulations, but he goes through them with us, and he does it as a teacher. He does it as a friend. He does it as an instructor. He does it uh, with us, and and we're never apart from him. And I think that's what's so wonderful when it says that he's been sent for us, so we don't go through this life alone. Darkness doesn't prevail, Um, and and light has overcome the darkness. It already has, and it will. And and so uh, when we think about the authority of Jesus, Uh, being higher than the rabbis, being higher than the voices of the world. Uh, We think um, also about somebody who speaks to us, somebody who shows us, and somebody who is at work in our lives this week. I thought um, it would be a good way for us to close our time together just remembering Christ a little bit and, and a chance just to kind of reflect about that. You know, I know a lot of us, uh, you know, summer is flying by. And, uh, you know, I'm just reminded of all the different people that were listening to Jesus uh, in the story today. And, you know, they must have all had different things going on, stresses at home and, you know, different influences in their lives. And, and I think about us sometimes too that way, that we're just all in, in different places. And sometimes it's so good to sit and remember who Jesus is uh and and uh, you know something I'd encourage you to kind of think about today as we take communion together um is just you know is there an area in your life right now where you can give Jesus authority over it uh you know and I think about I think about sometimes we give other people authority when it it's really in his hands anyway uh even that day I really wanted to talk to the doctor about Theo and the Billy Rubin you know and we had a great doctor that was awesome but there was a higher authority than that. you know there was somebody who had even uh, more sovereign hands over uh, what was happening that day and, uh, and i 'm thankful that uh, he 's come for us, and he has all authority over us and everything we 're going through today. Uh, I want to read this passage, and as I do i 'm going to invite Phil and Danielle and John Lee to come up and we 're going to sing in a little bit. Uh, But let me read this, and and I want to invite the guys to um, hand out the elements. And if you're a believer, I want to invite you uh, to take communion with us. Uh, Paul says this, uh, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I want to invite you just to sit before the Lord, who has all authority this morning, and spend a few minutes with him, Take uh, the bread and the cup when you're ready, and then we'll sing in a couple minutes.